This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Two hellos. Much to discuss. Um, before we get too discussy, that's it was a word. Discussy? Discussy is a word. Is that a central Pennsylvania word? <laughs> it is. Okay. It is. It's, a, it's an Amish word for talk much. We needs discussy? Needs discussy, yeah. <laughs> you, did, you, got, you got your Pennsylvania Dutch down. So last night I got to spend some time with uh, one of our listeners who's also trying to set up a podcast, and it got me thinking about what I would do differently and, you know, looking at the past, and I just realized we've been doing this for five years. Um, <laughs> some people might say that's a good thing. Some people might right. say it's a bad thing. I, you, you fall wherever you fall on that. But as of March 15th of this year, it would have been five years, so we're over five years, uh, 235 episodes as we're recording tonight. So that's a lot of episodes. A lot of, a lot of talking. A lot of C&T talking has gone on on this program. But it got me thinking. So, you know, regrets. Not regrets, but what would you do differently in the past? And it made me think about Washington, D.C. today. What would people think differently? Now, I saw a post this week that Donald Trump took the French president to Mount Vernon last April, and the uh, director of Mount Vernon was very disturbed that Donald Trump wasn't super interested in his tour. Now, I've toured Mount Vernon. Beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, didn't so get, I. I didn't get a special tour from the, the uh, curator, but I, I did get to go through it. And Trump seemed only focused on how much money Washington had and that he was a real estate mogul and why he didn't name more stuff after him. That's the gist of the, the conversation. I thought, well, do we have this expectation that a president should be 100% well-rounded, know everything, and be interested in everything anybody ever says simply because they're the president? Is that an expectation that we should put on it, or is it only because it's Donald Trump that you have that expectation? I, I think this is mostly because it's Donald Trump. Okay. And I have... I have no doubt that Donald Trump uh, probably doesn't know much about about Mount Vernon. I agree. Doesn't know all that much about George Washington. <laughs> he doesn't care either. Um, exactly. <laughs> and I found it interesting because the piece that I read, uh, the the quotes were not coming from the guy who did the tour, who's a, who's an historian. Yeah. It was sort of, again, one of these hit pieces where it was people familiar with the, the <laughs> conversation said that Donald Trump, you know, sacre bleu, didn't know, he knew less than the French president. <laughs> How dare he? You know, here's the thing that came to my mind. Now, and people will say that's ridiculous, Tony. I would love to know. Now, look, Barack Obama, very smart guy, Okay. But I would really love to know, does Barack Obama really know that much about Mount Vernon? I have no idea. No. I, does he care? Well, well again, but again, so you, you, this is, again, in the era of the resistance. These are the sorts of hit pieces that you get. You know, it's, in, it's a slow news day, so what will we do? We're going to publish a second and third-hand piece about how Donald Trump, he's just an idiot. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about Mount Vernon. He's very, you know, he, he's a know-nothing president. We already know this about Donald Trump, not a particularly well-read man. No. Not, and you can absolutely say, I have that expectation of my president. I think he should be more engaged. He should be more knowledgeable. That's fine. That's fine if that's your position. But is this really a newsworthy event? No, it's not to me. It, it, was, it was annoying that people thought it was newsworthy. That's why I read it, because it wasn't newsworthy and shouldn't have been. Another thing that I think is not newsworthy, and you, you can agree or disagree on this, 
the House Ways and Means Committee. Is it Ways and Means? Yes. It want, well, no, that is a committee, but I'm trying to think. It wants to get Donald Trump's uh, tax returns the last six years. And they think they're entitled to it. It's from, based on some obscure rule from the 20s called Rule 603. I, I have no idea. Uh, but anyway, do you do you care what's in Donald Trump's no, tax returns? No, I don't. Do you care about anybody's I don't tax care returns about other any, than your own? I don't care about anyone else's tax returns. I care about my own. But the fact that this is somehow news or they think they're entitled because – I don't – what do they hope to gain? If well, he's embezzling is, money, then you, look, you they do have that. Look, they have been after the tax returns since well, – Illinois since wants was, to make it – to be on the ballot, you have to release your tax returns for the last four years. Why? What, no. what does it have to do with it? Well, their argument's going to be, oh, because we need to scrutinize these things. This is still part of the uh, the dead-enders who, who just can't grasp the fact that Wyatt Mueller has not, has not produced – uh, an indictment against Donald Trump to remove, because now we're going to scrutinize the tax returns to see what's going on with his Russian business interests and whatever else. Isn't that the IRS's job? Well, sure. I mean, shouldn't they have well, already again, been reviewing the tax again, returns? Donald Trump has employed many, many very well compensated lawyers mm-hmm. who have filed many, many tax returns that have been scrutinized. Believe me, <laughs> yeah. by the by, the, when you're when you're a billionaire, yeah. uh, the the IRS takes, I think, a particular interest in. Are these returns um, yeah. legal? Now, yeah. and, and there, if you remember, I think the New York Times did uh, this lengthy expose about I don't know a year, year and a half ago that was supposedly this bombshell where they got access to some of his tax filings and and it was. Was from Cohen stuff. These are very, and they had these these commenters who are tax lawyers. <laughs> like, well, you know, this particular writing off of this is highly questionable, and again. Um, that's fine Sure. in terms of it was legal. The IRS accepted the returns. And if you remember, Rachel Maddow did this thing where it was like the uh, Geraldo, yes. you know, we're going to reveal what's in the vault. And it actually, cause it was, you know, he's not, he hasn't paid any taxes or they paid, you know, $57 million or whatever. Yeah. Something ridiculous. They want anything that they can dig through about Trump to, again, to, to gin up, Something we need something to remove him from office. So here was what I would say: I don't care what's in his tax returns. I don't care what was in Hillary Clinton's tax returns. No, I don't care what's in anybody running for president's tax returns. I don't care because the reality is, if you're breaking the law, are you gonna put it in your tax returns? I, you know, I'm embezzling money. I'm gonna, I'm gonna file that under. Come on. Well, here's the other thing. You know, the public. Do you think that anyone in the public other than someone who is an accountant or a tax lawyer would have any clue what those no. tax returns even meant? I can of barely do not. my own. Of course not. <laughs> so it's it like, is. we want to see the tax returns. You wouldn't even understand the tax returns. No. And most of the people looking at them in Congress don't understand them no, either. It's, again, it's just we want the ability to pour through other things about your life so that we can find something to mm-hmm. stick to the wall that's going to make you go away. I think they want to also find that he's not a billionaire. He's really just well, a millionaire. And I, you know, and I have no doubt. I, I mean, I've, I've heard this from, you know, anecdotally from many people who know Trump, who are other very wealthy businessmen, that he he often inflates sure. his net worth. Again, so who cares? <laughs> I don't care. I, I mean, really, who cares? Nobody should. You know what? He's not actually worth $4 billion. He's only worth $1.7 billion. Still more He's than worth <laughs> $900 million. I, I feel like... Even if he doesn't have two nickels rubbed together, he's still not taking a salary as president. Only president ever 
to take the job and not take yeah, a salary. Not exactly. Not exactly. Uh, you know, a big concession for him. No, but- I mean, for me, I take the three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I, I I would, but for him, he he's not taking it. Whether he needs to or not, who cares? Why? Why again? Why is that news? Now, on something that is news, this week it was floated by the Washington Post, which I took with a grain of salt because it was the Washington Post, that there was talk within DHS, Department of Homeland Security, and the Trump administration about maybe taking some of these uh, illegal immigrants that cross the border, instead of keeping them on the border, let's put them in the sanctuary cities, of which there are (laughs) 300, and they're not actually all cities, some are counties, some are states. But let's put them there. Now, the counter has been, well, that's illegal because it's, it's money allocated by Congress that would you're using extra money to move these people to these places. And you can't use it for political purposes. But I say it's not political. Now, Trump tweeted since then it, it's going to be very political if he does that. But my, my thought is, okay, you want these people here. You say you're safe here. We're willing to put them there. And you're complaining because it's, it's political. What what am I missing? It's the exact same thing you said you wanted. Come here. You can live free. Nobody's going to check you anything. Right? Am I wrong? Yeah, it's the uh, troll-level grandmaster kind of thing, right? I mean, you, you got to hand it in some ways to Trump. <laughs> he, he does know how to drive these people, his opponents, just crazy. But it does raise an interesting question setting aside whether they can actually allocate funds for this. And, of course, it's political. Sure. But – All we have heard from the people who support these sanctuary cities uh, in the most extreme, you know, vituperative tone. Yeah. It's it's, just, you know, anyone who, well, first of all, if you oppose sanctuary cities. You're an evil human being or racist. You're you're an ist. You're some kind of ist. Um, So really, if, if their mantra is true, that all of these illegal immigrants who are many of whom are economic migrants, many of whom are children, women They're Again, they don't want to hear that any of them are, are potentially criminals. And we've talked about this. Of course, the vast majority are not, but some are because this is a, oh, you, this is I, a step, I stipulate every single person who's here illegally is a criminal because well, they're that, here illegally. Right. Period. Right. We're talking about potentially violent, violent criminals, criminals yes. MS-13, all of this. Yes. And, and Trump is constantly accused of playing that up and demonizing all immigrants. I actually don't think that's true. Correct. Uh, but nevertheless, they all tell people who have any objections to this mm-hmm. uh, that your objections make you a racist and a jingoist and a nativist sure. and all. So why wouldn't you welcome with open arms? What's what you said you wanted. These this mass of people that you want in the country. In fact, wouldn't you want to protect them Mm -hmm. in your little on your sanctuary enclave from the evil ice officers who are trying to remove them from the country? It seems to me they would be clamoring for these people to come there. Yet oddly, they're very unhappy about this suggestion. Well, why? That's a good question. So I wanted to find what a sanctuary city is because I don't think everybody knows that. So it's not a legal term. It's a politically charged phrase. And it basically means, according to Congress, a city that prohibits its officials from providing information to federal immigration authorities. A sanctuary city is violating the law. So these sanctuary cities don't want to ask for papers from people when they pick them up by the police. They don't want to notify ICE. 
that they have these people in custody. So well, it's not that they don't want to; they refuse. They to. refuse to. Yes, they don't. They don't. They don't want to. And, do, they don't follow the law. And the people say, that hey, they have him. in custody can be multiple felon, multiple Correct. felons. ICE has detainer requests for these people. ICE will say to these sanctuary cities, please hold this person. They're wanted on multiple warrants, and their response is going to be basically pound sand. We're not going to cooperate. Correct. So they go out of their way to not follow the law. That's that's right. the, the direction. And and the rec- let, let me let me play a clip from Nancy Pelosi because I think she speaks it well, and then we'll talk about that. I do want to say to you that in our sanctuary cities, our people are not disobeying the law. Uh, these are law-abiding citizens. It enables them uh, to be there without being reported to ICE in case of another crime that they might bear witness to. The point is, is that you do not turn law enforcement officers into immigration officers. That is really what the point is in a sanctuary city. Uh, so it's not a question of giving sanctuary someone who has a uh, uh, is guilty of a crime, uh, they they should be deported. I don't know anything about it, but again, it's just another uh, notion uh, that is unworthy of the presidency of the United States and disrespectful of the challenges that we face uh, as a country, as a people, to address who we are, a nation of immigrants. The first part was two years ago, she responded to a woman whose uh, daughter was killed by a, a gang member that had been deported six times. And she tried to show sympathy, but her face just wouldn't show it. It was unable to do so. But she went on in that other clip that I didn't show you the rest of to say that sanctuary cities are actually safer than the rest of the country because they're they're a village. They're kind of putting their arms around <laughs> these people. Wait, but the part that I had this sort of quizzical look on my face for the last – she said something about – well, the, what we need them for is because if they if they witness happen to witness another crime, yes, they're they're afraid what? they won't come forward to right. They won't That's come forward right. as a witness to a gang slaying in the community because they might get deported. So then the police don't have the witness. So it's really about making sure that's the safer part. It's really about making sure that the witnesses feel comfortable coming forward and not getting deported. And now there's a flood of them coming forward to report the gang killers. Because there would be no repercussions anyway if they had done something like that. And the second part of that clip was when she was responding to Trump wanting to put in them, basically in her backyard, not in her gated community, but somewhere in the vicinity of San Francisco, which has a great housing crisis as it is. They could certainly take another 11 million illegals uh, in that situation. But you notice she said they're all here. They're law-abiding citizens, uh, to which I say, no, they're not, because they're here illegally. They're obviously not law-abiding citizens. They may not be violent we, citizens. We just but, skip over that part. Yeah, we, we missed that part. She said, we are a country of immigrants. That is correct. But they didn't come here legally, so they're not really immigrants. They're border jumpers. You know? Yeah. If, if, I go, if I cross the border into Mexico and they catch me, they're not going to let me just stick around until I feel like going home. I'm not going to see in Cabo San Lucas. They're going to shoot me back. So I'm not sure what she's trying to say other than – Bringing up, we're all country of immigrants. That's that's a democratic line. We're all a country of immigrants. No kidding. We never said we weren't. Now, Stephen Miller has been accused of saying we shouldn't have even as much legal immigration as we have, and that's well. There's wait a minute, but it's not just Stephen Miller. I mean, that should be part of our public policy mm-hmm. discussion. This idea, and again, we don't know where we wind up on that, but there no. should absolutely be a discussion around legal. Immigration, yes, and what sort of immigrants mm-hmm. are we trying to attract here? And now people can say, "Oh, that's horrific! What, what are you talking about?" Well, wait a minute. We want people that are going. See again, you can't, you can't talk about this stuff, but 
you want people who want to be in this country, mm-hmm. who want to not only maintain their own cultural traditions, but also assimilate, not stay in their own enclaves, uh, because that's not really what immigration is about. If, that, if that's what you want, then you probably shouldn't come here. And then we need to talk about what kind of people are we bringing here. And again, we're not talking about refugees. Nope. We're not talking about people seeking asylum. That is a nope. different discussion and a different category. Many times in the past, yes. But when you're talking just about general immigration policy, this idea that you're some kind of heinous evildoer, if you you want to talk about limiting legal, I'm not necessarily limiting, but we should probably talk about what is the mix of people that are coming here. And I have no problem with absolutely people from all over the world. They, they, they contribute to our culture. They contribute to our society. But to pretend that we shouldn't even have a discussion about do we want to entice more people with a specific set of skills, the ability to assimilate, the ability to recognize and adhere to our laws and our Western traditions, even though they have the freedom to live as they see fit with their own cultural norms, that we're not even allowed to have a conversation about that is absurd. It's completely absurd. It totally is. Do you think it's – how do we say this? So instead of having limits based on the country of origin, would you have limits based on the occupation? Potentially. Instead of saying if we need 100,000 civil engineers – you know, and we, we more than we can produce in the colleges in our country currently. So line up. We'll, we're going to verify your qualifications. We're going to you know check you out. And if you qualify, then you come in. I don't care where you're from. Well, the other thing is that there's this historical amnesia about this. People don't seem to realize that there's sort of this idea that this is unprecedented. <laughs> this has happened throughout our history where yes. I'm talking about legal immigration. Mm-hmm. It has ebbed and flowed. There have been more. There have been less. We have literally capped certain categories. Yeah. So this is nothing new. For some reason, people seem to believe that anyone who wants to talk about limiting or defining who can come here legally is somehow this horrific new, uh, new idea that uh, you know that has only come about under the Trump administration. This has historically been the conversation, yep. and it should be. It's a significant, a very, very important matter of public policy. Well, it impacts so many different things. I, I was reading something. Madeleine Albright might, once made a comment. She was the former Secretary of State. That there's a lots of room in this country for people between the coasts. Well, look at the Midwest, yeah, right? Yes, exactly. look, that's what she said. Look at look at that Midwest. <laughs> there's lots of room there. Just send them all out there. Put them out there. You're good. Now, comment from Barack Obama this week. Obviously, he's on the outs of the Democratic Party because he made a comment that it's got to put him in purgatory. Are you talking about the circular firing squad or a different comment? Different comment. Now he did say that circular firing squad. We shouldn't beat up. Uh, that's fine. He said he thinks all immigrants should learn English. <gasps> Uh, oh, no. Well, no one, they're not going to say anything to Barack. You know, the, the light worker can't really I don't be know. attacked. I don't know. Now, they, they'll never be on the outs. Now, he would have never said something like that while he was president. No, but, no. Um, and he always had, look, he always has a reason for saying Oh, I'm sure he saying. does. I'm sure he does. See, we're, we're meeting you halfway. We're not really doing anything, but we're meeting you halfway on that. So we'll see how this turns out, but I don't think it's going to go anytime soon. I mean, I actually thought it was more interesting, his comment about the circular firing squad, which... Why, it, why do you think it was more interesting? Well, because I think what he is... It's, everything with him is tactical. Sure. I think the reason that he is saying that, he is smart enough to recognize that 
remember, their ultimate goal is we need to win back the presidency. Sure. And I think he's looking around. And whether or not he's ideologically aligned with these more extreme people, which I think he is, mm-hmm. he's a smart enough politician to recognize, okay, AOC, <laughs> Kamala, you can't be front-facing presidential candidates for our party and be saying this kind of stuff mm-hmm. okay, and, and excommunicating anyone who's not on board with the Green New Deal. Yes. Cory Booker just came out. He's proposing reparations. Uh, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. So Cory Booker came out with studying reparations. Yeah. Now, it's a very nebulous term because what you want to – Give back is not really clear, and who you want to give it back to is not really clear. But I want to state unequivocally, I because it's it's really about slavery and Indian affairs. I'm sure Native Americans. Right. I mean, no way. It's mostly about slavery. Come Most on. about slavery. Uh, so I want to be clear. Cory Booker was never a slave, and nobody in today's that's alive today owned a slave in the United States. So who are we giving reparations to exactly? Now somebody has said. I don't know if it's Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren, that it should be based on economics. So now you're not even giving it back. To, you're giving it. You're taking it from the people who have to the people who don't, which is basically what everything is with the Democratic right. Party. Redistribution of wealth. Right. But it's it's not really reparations. It's saying you're poor. Therefore, we should give you money. That's reparations. No, that's welfare. That's what we already do. So why are we talking about reparations? It, it's, it's, again, the left, well, I mean, left, that, left, that left. Is a, that is a good point because why really should it be limited by income? If the, if the principle is that you are a descendant of people who were horrifically enslaved mm-hmm. and endured all manner of – But you didn't. No, no, no. But let me – no, okay. my point is – I think you made a good point. Why are we then just – well, you know, you, you're doing okay. You don't need it. Wait a minute. I thought this is supposed to be some sort. That shouldn't matter, right? Right. That, well, that shouldn't matter. Your your economic status right now. Why should that matter? He's saying reparations to capture that part of things, and he's more in line with what the Democratic Party always does, which is changing wealth from the rich to the poor. So he he gets both with with the same thing, which really doesn't. This is to all just the jockeying to see you know who can get further left. So yes. this is his this is his little salvo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be reparations guy, <laughs> and now we'll see. You know, a- AOC she's not running for president, obviously, no. but but. There's going to be people that are embracing the Green New Deal. You know, Kamala Harris is all about, let's abolish private insurance. Now, I don't think she's going to say that much more. You know, they probably had a backdoor <laughs> meeting. Like, um, no, like all her, you know, her little coterie of advisors saying, uh, listen, yeah. we're all with you on that, but you should probably not say that anymore. Yeah, don't speak it, it publicly. Does, look, we're looking at the, the internal polling right now, and it's actually a negative number. So yeah, stop. maybe stop saying the truth of what you want to do. Yeah, don't speak truth to power. Keep it quiet for a little bit. Like you've got to take a lesson from Barack. You've got you've yeah. to speak in a way that people will believe that you're essentially a slightly left of center moderate. You can't talk about banning fossil fuels in 10 years and but they don't care. They're they're they've been let loose. Yes. You know, they're they all have. they're just galloping headlong further and further left. You got Elizabeth Warren. Uh-huh. I mean, I would love to hear her on the stump explaining how she wants to nationalize. She wants to nationalize any company that has more than a billion dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. I'm not making this up. Oh, I know. We talked about yeah. it. She, so, no I mean, the, these stu- this stuff is, you know, fast and furious. She's got her little thing. And you see how they're attacking poor Joe Biden. <laughs> yes. Who, who that, I... I think that's I, Kamala Harris. I think well, it came out of them. her. I think it came out of but her. It's camp. interesting because... 
Joe Biden, for all yes, he's he's gaffastic and you know he's kind of creepy. He was creepy for eight years as vice president. But Nothing he, changed. Here's the thing: I actually think that if you want a candidate right now on the Democratic side who can at least theoretically appeal to the group of voters that they're trying to win back, Rust Belt mm-hmm. swing voters that Hillary lost that Obama won. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy mm-hmm. I think. You, I mean, you've got Statler, the socialist, right? Yes. You've got you've got Kamala Harris, left wing dragon lady. You've got Elizabeth Warren with her. I'm ha- I'm having a beer in my kitchen. I'm I'm one of the common people. Right? I mean, all of them. They, they these people will never appeal to that demographic. No, no. Joe Biden could actually pull it off. Well, the, but you're missing something here. Kamala Harris isn't trying to win the Democrats. The the presidency she's trying to win kamala harris the presidency so therefore circular firing squad has to ensue because i've got to take down the guy who can beat me for the nomination Well, and that's that is that is a very good point so the tension here and this has always been the tension for them you know hillary had to do this as well is you got to run extreme left to win the primary mm-hmm. and then you somehow have to pretend that that never happened <laughs> and now we're oh i look at i have a picture i'm out hunting with my with my death machine that I'm holding sure. from the wrong end, you know, take a picture of me in my camo, right? <laughs> so this is what they have to do. I'm, we're all for free Well, that's how she speech. won 2016. She had the superdelegates, and she didn't say anything in the primaries because she knew she didn't have to. Bernie's out there spouting two times of deodorant right. and everything. She didn't have to say anything, and that kept her from having to really take a position until it got to the general election. Yeah. That's how she. But see now, win. now they're not even they're not even attempting to do that. In other words, the mask is fully off now. They are they are unleashed. The resistance uh, they've they've driven you know Thelma and Louise style over the cliff, and they're all just screeching. And the person that goes the farthest left, we'll see. There's going to be more of this. Oh yeah. So it, it's coming. It, it's going to be very entertaining to see whether there's anyone. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I actually think the person on the Democratic side that has the guts. Now, remember, there's all these other third and fourth and eighth tier people. And we're going to talk about one of them in a second. Well, if we're talking about Buttigieg, he, he could actually. We'll see. But the people that matter, if anyone had the courage to say, listen, I'm a Democrat. I'm for all the Democrat stuff that we like. But listen, I. I like capitalism. Okay, yeah. I'm not. I'm not down with socialism. <laughs> and yeah, we're not getting rid of fossil fuels in ten years or twenty years. That's cray cray. Okay, yeah. so you can throw your slings and arrows at me. You know, the base will be frothing and their heads will explode. But if you actually want to win a general election, you'd be very smart to come out and stake out that ground right now. But they won't do it. They're all they're all too scared sure. to do that because they think that they will then be destroyed and never be able to win the primary. So they're stuck. I I think the people running for president are scared of the uh, triumvirate trying to tell them how to how to act. And by that, I mean uh, Tlaib, AOC, and Omar. I think those three, for reasons I can't fathom, because I don't think between the three of them, they're smart enough to know what they're talking about. But the three of them seem to be dictating democratic Absolutely. policy. They have the most, in a way nothing I've ever seen. Yeah, before. it's amazing. They have the most power right now. These are freshman yes. Congress people. Mm-hmm. But you know why? Well, yeah. because on everything for the Democratic Party is identity politics, mm-hmm. and and nobody dares nobody dares question them. <laughs> well, so bringing that up, AOC this week calls out uh, Crenshaw 
uh, Representative yeah. Crenshaw mm-hmm. from Texas, um, says he's not supporting the, I don't know, 9-11 Victims Fund. Of, I don't know what that is. Um, she said, go do something about terrorism. Now, I don't know if she has eyes or a brain that engages. Uh, he did three tours of duty in Iraq and <laughs> Afghanistan, lost an eye to an IED, and she's telling him to go, go do hey, something about terrorism. Listen, you, I haven't seen a single hashtag out of you. Yes, exactly. What, what are you doing on social media? You've done nothing. I'm like, <laughs> are, did, did you really just tell this guy who's – Sure she a, did. He's literally got an eye patch stapled to his face. And you're telling him go do something about domestic or about terrorism because you haven't done enough because you're not right. supporting my bill, right? Seriously, woman. Yeah, well, seriously. This is the, oh. she's the gift that keeps on giving. She's she's utterly fantastic. And, and, and whenever she says something stupid, Omar and Talib come in and say, "Oh no, don't." She's a woman of color. You're you're taking her out of context. Taking her out of context. Let's speak about context. So let's move on to the next context. We've talked about Ilan Omar numerous times and. She is um, anti-Semitic, I think, would be the best Yeah, that's term. A correct. That would be the accurate description you know, of her. Unrepentantly anti-Semitic. Unapologetic, yes. So she spoke at CARE last month. CARE also essentially uh, a front for terrorist organizations. I'm, sure. not, I'm not making that up. No. Okay, this isn't, not you know, sovereign, this isn't often, the Alex but... Jones hour. <laughs> CARE was an unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land trial. They actively support Hamas. Mm-hmm. They – so – because I know people that don't know what this organization is, like, oh, that's ridiculous. How could you it's say? Like, that's like, like the, the Fox News talking points. No. <laughs> they're, they are an organization that fundamentally supports jihad. Yeah. They have a very nice name. And, of course, the Western media gives them all sorts of airtime because they're the Council for American Islamic Relations. Yep. They actively promote and support jihad. Yes. Yep. So – that's just the reality. So they're not the Elks Club. They, they should not even be um, accepted in as as a participant in public conversation, but they are. And they're not only accepted, they are actually lauded as if there's some sort of group that's doing good in the world. They're not. Well, Representative Omar spoke there last week. Of course she month. did. Let me play a small clip from her, and I don't want to focus on the thing that everybody else is focused on. Let's listen to the whole thing. So to me, I say raise hell, make people uncomfortable. This is to the care right. crowd. Yay. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. Surely Far a lie is forthcoming. We have lived with the discomfort of being a second class citizen. Really? And frankly, I'm tired of it. And every single Muslim in this country should be tired of it. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. That seems a little tepid. It I don't does. know. They did, that wasn't. Care was founded after 9-11. Yes, it was. Because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberty. Hmm, hmm. Which ones? <laughs> so you can't just say that today someone is looking at me strange, that I am going to try to make myself look pleasant. Hmm. You have to say, this person is looking at me strange. I am not comfortable with it. I am going to go talk to them and ask them why. Because that is a right you have. Wow. I I look through the Bill of Rights and I went through all the amendments. I didn't see anything about the right to ask somebody why you're looking at me. 
I didn't, I didn't see that, so well, I don't know what right she's speaking she certainly can. Uh, there's a whole host of reasons why they might be looking at her strangely. Yes. Nothing I, to do with the fact that she's a Muslim woman. No. Um, I, yes, I love the part about uh, they were we were losing access to our civil liberties. I don't know what she's talking about. I don't actually think that's true. I actually think you're lying. What What civil liberties did she or anyone else lose access well, to? They're detained at the airport, just like I am. Just like you are. No, well, again, Just like my grandfather was. Again, and the, the tone deafness of this, uh, because what you notice most about this speech is she pays lip service to 9/11. Can't even describe mm-hmm. honestly what happened. Yeah, that's fine. Something happened by someone somewhere, and then immediately, because this is always what it's about. Immediately, it becomes a lecture. Essentially about Islamophobia, yeah, right, yeah. which is a made-up term, but that, that's their term, so we'll use sure. it. And, and again, the denial of civil liberties and I'm sick and tired. Wait a minute. You're a woman that came to this country, has been embraced, you have succeeded, you've been educated, you are now serving the people of your state in the Congress, and you're being treated like a second-class citizen? Based on what? Because people look at you strangely. Maybe people look at you strangely because you're an anti-Semite. That might be a possibility. Or maybe because you're part of the BDS movement. That might be a possibility. Or maybe because there's very credible evidence. Again, this is not a conspiracy theory that you married your brother Mm -hmm. and then you also had another husband. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever actually looked into that. That would be too much. Uh, But I would, I mean, again, is anyone in the media asked her, No. you know what? We love that speech. But could you enumerate the civil liberties? that you think or claim were being denied to Muslims after 9-11? Because, I mean, we're, we're interested in making a list so we can put it on CNN. Right. What, what are they exactly? Well, I, I went to the ACLU's list of um, – because she goes on in the clip to talk about uh, what happened in New Zealand against the mosque and how constantly around the world Muslims are being persecuted. Well, uh, that actually is true. And who are they being persecuted by? Other Muslims. Other Muslims. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So she is – if that was the point of her comment, then kudos to her. But for some reason, I don't think she believes uh, the culprit is other Muslims because no. largely around the world, there are Muslims that are suffering. There are Muslims that are being murdered and tortured mm-hmm. uh, and imprisoned and most of that, and I say most meaning, oh, I don't know, 97.8% of it That's is low. being inflicted by other Muslims. Yeah. Well, I, I went to the ACLU's website to look at all these things that have happened. In our state of Pennsylvania, they list between five and ten events since 2005 that were anti-Muslim. So I looked at what they were. One was uh, $1,000 was stolen from a mosque. Okay, I don't know how that's anti-Muslim. Somebody stole money from They were a thief. I mean, I, I'm sure if you looked in the same vicinity, money was stolen from other people too, not just the mosque. But okay. Another one was a mosque wanted to expand their building and was denied the permit to do so. That was anti-Muslim. Okay. Uh, I'm like, okay. Now, one was somebody, somebody put anti-Muslim flyers on the board and somebody left prank calls at the Iman's answering service. Okay, maybe you can call those, but we're not talking about somebody burning churches. And that's what she's implying. We're, we live in a country of, what, 320 million people? Yes, yes. There are certainly people in the country who have animus and hatred for Muslims, just like people exist who hate blacks. Mm -hmm. There's racists. There's people that you pick a minority, you pick a religious group. You will find people who 
are wicked and evil, who hate them, who have prejudice, who, who want to do violence to them. This exists in every country in the world. We have been remarkably free in this country of what I would consider to be any level of meaningful, widespread, systemic, anti-Muslim hate since 9-11. Mm-hmm. Sure. Does it go on? Absolutely. Sure. Is, it a, is it an absolute blip on the radar screen? Yes. What is still the leading group that suffers from hate crimes? This is an easy answer. Jews. That's, yes, by a factor <laughs> of, I think, four it's or not five. Even close. It's not even close. So should we be vigilant in this country about any minority, any religious group, any sure. culture that is facing persecution? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But this narrative... That somehow Muslims were denied civil liberties and that there's this rash of hate and attacks against Muslims. Do they happen? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that's not going on in any way that is widespread, that is systematic. It just isn't. That's a lie. The way she describes it, it would feel like they're the only persecuted peoples in the world, which we know is not a fact. That's a lie. That's a misrepresentation at best of what's going on out there. But it's two of the she pandering to the crowd, saying this is well. We got to we got to be vigilant. We got to get in their faces and and just be angry because I, I don't know. Let me let me say this: if whether this is right or not, if a group of Muslim individuals gets in another group's face and gets angry in this country, I can practically guarantee there's going to be violence. I can guarantee it. You go up to any group of people. As a, as a Muslim group, because whether it's well, right wait, or wrong. Wait a minute, but it doesn't even have to be a Muslim group. No, if, no. If you're advocating, you get in anyone's face in agreed. an aggressive way, well, there's potentially going to be violence. I, I, I do believe that there is some stereotyping towards Muslims in this country. Right or wrong, there is. And, and maybe it's because those people did something on 9-11 that there's a certain animus towards a group of people that isn't necessarily representative of everybody involved. I will agree with that. But we've talked about this before. There's over a billion Muslims. And they rep- 10% are considered radical. That's over 100 million people who are radical. So there is something to the stereotype, whether it's right or wrong. I just feel like if a group of, a group of men who are obviously Muslim got in the face of two or three women, there would be some violence from the people around them they, if they saw that. There, same well, thing would happen if there would. was – there probably would be for white men doing the same thing who were – Coming out of a Christian church, but not to the same level of animus, right. I would well, say. We've, we've talked about this before, is that if, if, there were, if there were Baptists going around the world, mm-hmm. killing, committing acts of terrorism, you know, in the name of Jesus, would there be mass outcry and suspicion about anyone who was a Baptist? Yes. And would that be right? No. And would 99% of them not be part of that? Probably. Mm-hmm. But, so th- but this idea, and you hear this all the time, where the response is, oh, well, you know, there's, there's radical Christian. Yes, yes, there are. Yes. There are, but you know what? Um, if we're going to do a comparison right now, the chief global problem in terms of terrorism in the world is Islamic mm-hmm. jihadists. Mm-hmm. There's there's no denying that. There's no way to get around that. Uh, again, am I suggesting every Muslim that I meet here, do no. I assume they're a ter- – no, I don't at all. If you do, I, you shouldn't. You that, absolutely should You should treat them with love. You should yep. embrace them as your yep. neighbor. Yep. But when we 
pull back and say it's absolutely ridiculous that people have this kind of fear that you know it, Christians do the same thing. No, they don't. Not at the level that is going on right now. And I can guarantee you, Chad, that if in fact there were a bunch of evangelical Christians who had flown planes mm-hmm. into buildings. Do you really think that we would be hearing a lot of lecturing from the media that what we have to worry about is the anti-Christian backlash? No. No. no there wouldn't. would actually be calls to have the Christians basically rounded. And it wouldn't even just be Christians. Mm-hmm. Anyone else. Yeah. Right? So the, the dynamic here that we're going to on the you – know, talk about 9-11 and the focus is going to be – oh, yeah, yeah. Something happened over there by somebody. But what I really want to talk about is how I've been done wrong mm-hmm. from my – perch as a congressperson in the u.s is is just is absurd Mm -hmm. and you know we uh we've talked about sometimes dr fia Mm -hmm. um who's a good guy and he's going around the country he doesn't like trump and he posted something about this where he was very angry with trump's response to ilhan omar as if I think he basically said it was despicable because he's politicizing this and and what she said wasn't problematic. Number one, I do think what she said is problematic. Mm -hmm. Number two, I want – again, I want somebody to ask her, why are you giving a speech to care? Mm -hmm. Because they're a very problematic organization. No one will even ask that question. I'm trying to think of an equivalent organization on the right. Like it always has to be something like Stormfront. Yeah, I guess. It'd have to – well – there's this veneer of respectability that has been given to but care. Stormfront's never had a veneer of respectability. No, no, that's my point, is yeah. that the media is absolutely unwilling to examine what this organization promotes, mm-hmm. what they have done, what they stand for. Civil liberties They're just for being in the, US. the same way as they talk about the Muslim Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Read the charter of the Muslim <laughs> Brotherhood, and yet yeah. somehow in our media you will hear, oh, this is a moderate organization. Not a, good, not a group of good guys there, no. Not at all. So, I, I, what you said there, Trump, Trump put out an edited video of the Twin Towers on fire with her words over over them. It's Trump, I think, really poking. It's over the, the top. It's, it's over the top. Certainly over the top. This is this is Trump style. Is that something that I would have done? No. And no. can you make the argument that that's just fomenting more division? Yes, well, I think you can. That's where I want to go because AOC comes out and says. You've put Omar's life at risk because you did this. I would say Omar put her own life at risk by making these comments. Well, and what does that mean, you've put her life well, at risk? Well, because she got death threats a couple weeks ago. So, therefore, anytime somebody questions her, it's right. obviously going to get more death threats. And it's your fault for questioning her. You should just let her talk because then it's fine. But if you question her, then it, then it somehow focuses the crazies that, oh, wait a minute, there she is. Let's get her. I, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think it's appropriate, really, for Trump to be posting uh, in, in response to that. Uh, it, is, it is inflammatory. It's it, not necessary. You can make the point mm-hmm. without doing that. And it's the beneath point the is, presidency. It I is beneath the presidency. And what you should do, but Trump's incapable of this, is simply say, you know, it's ironic that someone wanted to talk about 9-11 can't even really seem to name what to describe what happened there and is only focused on what she claims was a denial of civil liberties to muslims and i can tell you that that's just not true yeah that never happened in america trump will never that doesn't mean there's not (laughs) anti-muslim bias in among people but the broad denial of civil liberties that she's talking about is a complete fantasy i'm not it never happened but trump's never going to say that he's never going to be reasoned enough to say that certainly not on twitter 
well, he's of course he's not. Over the top but the point chance. is, the people that are angry and and properly so that Trump is using that kind of imagery, why aren't they angry with someone who's a representative in Congress who is telling all the Muslims in this country that you had your civil liberties denied? Isn't that equally inflammatory? Sure. That you that the government was. What does that mean? I don't know. That's well, that's irresponsible. Didn't didn't AOC try to say that? Uh, Bush, when he was standing at ground zero, said some people did something they're going to hear from us soon. It was the same thing. Do you start to say yeah. they're equivalent? No. no well, it wasn't even close. Because <clears throat> we didn't know who did it at that point. We were still trying to figure it out. Someone's going to hear from us, right? Yes. yes. That's kind of stupid. Let's move on to another 2020 candidate on the Democratic Party. Uh, can you say his name? Because I cannot say his name. Well, I don't know <laughs> if I'm saying it properly, but I think I read it uh, phonetically that it's Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Okay. That could be wrong. That could uh, be completely wrong. It's better than I could do. Um, he is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, which uh, I don't think we've ever had a president from the may- from South Bend, Indiana, but who knows? Uh, he checks a couple boxes. He's a homosexual man who also is an Episcopalian and religious in his estimation. Uh, and I don't know him, so I can't say one way or the other. But he's got this beef with Mike Pence that I think is only going one way. And he's trying to play to a base. He went on Ellen recently, and he said this. All right, so so I want to get your reaction because uh, Mike Pence uh, is said mm. that you you have been critical of his faith and critical of him, and you should know better, and that you're just criticizing him to get elected. So what would you say to that? Yeah, I, I'm not critical of his faith. Uh, I'm critical of bad policies. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with religion. I'm religious, too. Uh, I have a problem with religion being used as a justification to harm people, and especially in the LGBTQ community. So many people, uh, even today, feel like they don't belong. Uh, you can get fired in so many parts of this country just for who you are. And that's got to change. And if the VP, I'm not interested in feuding with the vice president. But <laughs> if he wants All to evidence to the side, contrary. Come out today <laughs> and say he's changed his mind, that it shouldn't be legal to discriminate against anybody in this country for who they are. That's all. Yeah. So a couple things there. Um, he said you can get fired in this country for being, I assume he's meant homosexual, but he didn't say homosexual. I don't know where this is. Where this is nowhere. This, 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 this vast conspiracy of firing no, this doesn't homosexuals. Happen. This doesn't happen. Can you imagine? That would be front page news. I would think Again, so. Again, are there people that don't like gay people? Absolutely. Yes. Are there business owners that harbor animus in their hearts? For- sure. Absolutely. But the idea, again, because this is the way they portray this, that this is somehow going on. Uh, around the country that someone who just is because they're gay is being terminated from their job. Where? Yeah. I I mean, Ellen had her own sitcom. She's had her own talk show for 20 years. She's a a homosexual woman and somehow she hasn't been terminated. Do I, do I doubt that if someone uh, who was openly, homosexual move to certain areas of this country that they would receive Probably. an unwelcome. Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But is it a vast, but, is, but is that's, there a, group but of that's people a different going, question. That's well, a different yeah. question. And do we have to, should that exist? No. No. And, and should we hope and pray that that added, those kind of attitudes sure. uh, are eliminated? Absolutely. But, but he al- well, he also says, that uh, he doesn't want to have a beef with Pence, but he's the only one bringing it up. Yes, that, so that's the most disingenuous thing that he said, which is, I'm not, 
you're the one that has been slamming Pence over and over. And by the way, Pence had had been nothing but complimentary yes. about him. Before he came be, out and after he came out, he said he's a good man. He was in the National Guard, I believe, and went overseas. And he pra- praised him for going over and serving his term uh, when he came out. As homosexual, he still said he's a good man. I, I, well, and again, you know, he says that he's a person of faith, and and that's fine. We can't judge his heart, but when he says something, uh, this sort of very conclusory statement, I'm against people using religion to harm people. My mm-hmm. question would be, well, do you believe that someone who's a Christian who believes in heterosexual marriage, by virtue of that belief and by virtue of their support of that, is harming people? Because if you do then what you're really saying is you're not allowed to entertain one of the fundamental beliefs that is part of being a Christian. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to have him answer that question. Is the harm anyone who believes that marriage should be between a man and a woman? Obviously, because that's his beef with Pence. He says he he wants Pence to say, I changed my mind and it's not okay to discriminate against people. So what he really wants and what the left really wants um, is they're not – it's not about using your belief to harm people. It's we want you to change your belief. Yes. And what that demonstrates is a fundamental disrespect uh, or, or misunderstanding of what the belief is. Yeah. And by the way, I would love to hear whether Mayor Pete would say the same thing again to a devout Muslim. For no. some reason, I doubt you are ever going to hear him call. So actually, I would love to hear him ask Ilhan Omar yes. about what devout Muslims believe about homosexual relationships. Uh, Do you think, what are the odds that you're going to ever hear that conversation? Probably not in my lifetime. Never. But I I find that Mike Pence is portrayed as discriminatory against homosexuality because he believes in a marriage and a man and a woman. Because as as a governor, he signed a bill that said, you know, we we won't keep... A business from—I don't remember the wording of the bill, but or the law—but basically, you can dis, you can say I'm not going to pr- make a cake for you because I don't believe in a homosexual union. That, right. That's so their discrimination. They, they kind of flipped that on its head. The whole point of that bill was to prevent people of religious people. faith right. being coerced yep. into doing things like the poor guy in Colorado. Yep. This is going on all over the place, and so they've they flipped that on its head to say, oh. So what you're doing is open season on gay people. Anyone can discriminate. And that's simply not true because there's already lawsuits all the time in the federal courts mm-hmm. under you know various civil rights statutes. Now, again, it's stretching them beyond, I think, what they actually say. But nevertheless, they're being used. Mm-hmm. There is no widespread institutional discrimination in this country against gay people. Are there people who do not like homosexuals who are willing to discriminate. Yes, of course they are because there are sinful people and fallen people everywhere. And so that's never going to be fully eradicated. But the claim that, again, in the culture that we have today, not 40 years ago, not 30 years ago, right now, that this is going on in any systematic way is just false. This is not true. Do you believe Dr. Fia, who is no friend of Trump, who believes anybody who supports Trump, do you believe he believes what this man just said, that there is rampant I don't know. Discrimination? Uh, I don't know. Um, he probably, I, I would think, just based on what he's written about people who support Trump, 
uh, that you know that he's incredibly disappointed with people that do that, and I think he believes that uh, they support someone who is fundamentally immoral. So I, I think that his his perception of the problem mm-hmm. would be far more to say yes, this is. Uh, crisis is the wrong word, but yes, this is going on. It's going on all over the place. It's becoming worse because of mm-hmm. Trump. Mm-hmm. All of these attitudes. Again, I don't know what evidence there is that Trump is against the gay community, but nevertheless, this always comes back to well, what's the evidence that he's a racist? What's no, the evidence that he's a homophobe? Well, there, or, apparently, or a, the evidence that he's a racist, as best as I can tell, or his comments is it about Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Okay, Th- that's it. I mean, that seems to be the crux of the indictment. I, I don't. I don't know. And then, of course, the fact that you don't want brown people to come here, even though that's not true. Right. Um, you know, Mexicans. Again, everything that he has said about this, and I encourage people to go back and actually read the full statements in context. And again, I'm not really an apologist for Donald Trump because no. I think the guy. Be? I think the guy is of incredibly low character. Mm-hmm. I think he's he says and does things that do demean the presidency. Do you, do you feel when stuff like what Dr. Fear writes or people like these? these individuals we've spoken about tonight, you feel like you're almost put in the position where you almost have to de- defend Trump, even though you don't want to defend Trump because they're so outrageous. Yeah, in absolutely. Statements? I mean, it's not even so much that I feel like I have to defend Trump. It's that I'm so appalled by these sort of over the top histrionics yeah. about every single thing. I've said this before. I would not, I didn't vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. I would have much preferred a number of other people be president. I'm actually pleased in many respects by the policies he's pursued. But if you told me tomorrow that we would get rid of him and insert Ted Cruz or you give me I'd be great. Sure. Let's let's do it. Let's, let's have Mike Pence as president. Yeah, good with me. But I have been so dismayed to see the level of sort of constant demonization and almost just kind of unhinged craziness from people that I'm more scared of the people that hate Donald Trump than Donald Trump. Yeah, I agree. I I, I just feel like I'm in that position where I don't want to defend him. I don't want to support the man, support the policy. The man leaves me wanting, and we all do. I, I recognize that. But yes, he's of low moral character in everything I've seen in and heard about him. But I feel like I almost in that position of I'm defending his right to be president. I shouldn't have to. I think that's the biggest thing. That is when I say I'm alarmed, we have had two years of groups of people in this country who have, who have basically been attempting to remove the, the, the elected president of the country Yes, because they decided he's unfit. We don't like this guy, right? He's crude. He's crass. We've deemed him unfit for the office, and so we are going to use our power by any means necessary to destroy him. If you think that's a good precedent for this country, it is not. great. It is not because <laughs> what, what I always think about is this is something that is going to be used again. Mm-hmm. If they can get away with it with this guy, and by the way, when the shoe is on the other foot – I would say the same thing about anyone in the intelligence community and the FBI who decided we really can't stand Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. He's terrible for this country. He's a left winger. He's going to bow to the Muslim, whatever all, whatever all that nonsense is. And so we're going to undertake to remove him by any means necessary. That would be just as corrupt and just as criminal. Yes. What yes. these people have done for two years – and we, this started. Remember, we're going to we're going to harass the the electors for the electoral college. We're you know yes. now we're talking about we're going to pack the Supreme Court and we're yes. going to abolish the electoral college. Sorry, 
you're the ones that don't want to play by the rules. I hear yeah. all this talk about democratic norms. Remember when Donald Trump said he was asked when he was assumed that he was going to be stampeded by Hillary? Yeah. Will you accept your embarrassing and emasculating defeat with grace? And he was like, I'm not sure if I will. And there, there was days yes. of, hand, oh, my word. He's, <laughs> the pillars of democracy are crumbling. And what has happened? Same Hillary and all her supporters have refused to accept the fact that she was a horrifically bad candidate who was tone deaf and entitled and didn't do what she needed to do to appeal. In fact, just demonize the people that she needed votes from. And she lost. Can't accept that. And so now we're going to try to destroy the guy who won. Well, because obviously he cheated. That's why she lost. It That's wasn't why. her. We, she, he cheated. We concocted a Russian fantasy, and we spent two years searching on a snipe hunt for this nonsense that anyone who was paying attention to this, who actually read the dossier, knew was a lie ginned up by the DNC through per, the, a law firm and Fusion G, all the stuff we've talked about. Two years we spent mm-hmm. trying to get this guy removed from office on a complete Hoax. And all the people that were promoting this knew that. All of them. Yeah. Brennan, Clapper, all of them. They all knew. They all knew. But so what? It served their ends, which was we need to either hamstring this guy or hopefully find a way to destroy him and have him removed from the presidency. That, in my view, is one of the biggest scandals, political scandals in the history of this country. It really is. So prior to the election of 2016, I mean, after before Trump won, the day before Trump won nationally was russia an ally at that point in your opinion was 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 russia considered an ally we had to reset we had well yeah we had crimea well they weren't england they weren't an ally but i mean we've we've talked about this that's the best part of this russian thing is that all the people who laughed at mitt romney for Mm -hmm. his idiotic Cold War mentality and who championed the reset and who didn't care that Barack Obama said, I'll have more flexibility when I'm reelected. All of this stuff didn't care because they didn't care about Russia. All of a sudden, they're now tailgunner Joe and the Red Menace is in the cupboards, right? Well, is it fair to say that they weren't enemies at that point? From a a Barack Obama standpoint where they are enemy no, I were don't they think they are so. ally or were they somewhere in between? I think it was geopolitically. I think I think the Obama administration was attempting what was the reset? Sure. They were attempting as you do. Now if you would ask them, sure, did they were they our pals? No. But were they evil incarnate? Was it Mordor? Was no. it Stalin? Of course not. not. Yeah, it wasn't Stalin. The so. minute Trump got elected, all these people and by the way, these are the same people who have a soft spot for the Castro brothers. Yeah. And and Che Guevara, right? Yeah. So they never met really a communist dictator that they could fully, <laughs> fully oppose, right? It just, you know Well my point my point is so let's say Vladimir Putin was riding on Trump one from the time he got the nomination till the day after he gets elected. Let's assume all that's happened. Now, it wasn't, but let's assume it was. How in any way, shape, or form does any of that change the voting on November 8th, 2016? You got me. Let's say, okay, he wins January 21st. Trump is uh, inaugurated. Vladimir Putin is off the Oval Office. He's in that private office next door. And he's hanging out and he's talking to Trump daily. They're, he's just living at the West Wing. Does that change anything? Because Trump still has to make the decisions. 
Well, I mean, when you say he still has to make the decisions, it's a bad look. It's a bad look. But what's the collusion part? Show me collusion. Well, he could be riding around in the Trump mobile every day, having martinis in the back of the Trump mobile with Donald. What is the collusion? Well, again, because if he if he did that with Tony Blair or Theresa May or Macron, would we say a word? You're, you're asking questions as if the people that were making these claims actually be, no, that actually believed that any of that was true or felt the need to marshal any amount of evidence to support this. They knew it was a lie from the beginning. They they created a narrative. I actually think they were probably stunned at how well this worked. This was sort of a a last minute, all the Clinton groupies got together. How are we going to explain this? We can't possibly say we fielded the worst candidate in history. I know it was the Russians. And this kind of spiraled out of control because why? Because our media is a disgrace. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were complicit in this. If you don't have the media spreading this everywhere from leaks or whatever, this never, never generates any momentum. But you asking, where's the collusion? Collusion isn't even it's a term that has no legal meaning whatsoever. What you mean is, was there actually a criminal conspiracy that rose to the level of essentially committing treason with a foreign power? We've talked about this. This distinction gets missed all the time. Robert Mueller has a team of prosecutors, prosecutors get evidence for convictions for crimes. Mm -hmm. But he was conducting essentially a counterintelligence investigation. Those two things don't go together. Sure. Okay, a counterintelligence investigation does not result in criminal prosecutions in the United States. It results in, who knows what, geopolitical warfare relating to foreign enemies who are a threat to us. Right. So the whole thing from the beginning was nonsensical. And no one ever believed Andy McCarthy who's probably the most astute observer of all of this, wrote an interesting article a couple weeks ago where he said, he speculated, how soon did Mueller's team know that there was no collusion? And he basically said, essentially, after they didn't reissue any more of those bogus FISA warrants, Mm -hmm. because they looked them over and realized, hmm, we've re-upped this four times based on a dossier from using a guy that we fired. We're not going to do that anymore. Remember, he had already been investigated for what? I don't know, five months? And then McCarthy basically concluded they knew within nine months. Eight nine months. months. They should have known before they took the job. Right. Well, again, assuming that they actually still had to do something. Well, okay. So, so why did it go on that long? So my other question then is, a lot of this influence, as we talked about, so there, there's, not, there's no evidence whatsoever in any place other than maybe Chicago that illegal voting occurred on... Chicago and Philadelphia, probably. That any illegal voting occurred. Okay. What we're basing some of this on is the Russians, which we assume was through Putin and, and the Kremlin, influenced ad buying at Facebook. Right. So the question becomes is Mark Zuckerberg a Russian agent? Does Vladimir Putin own all the shares of Facebook and we just don't know it? Because I don't think. I don't think Zuckerberg's out there to help promote Trump or any Republican for that matter. So the fact that you think influence from Facebook was directed to get Trump elected is insane. It doesn't even doesn't even pass the smell test for five seconds. There's no way, shape, or form that Facebook would go out of their way to get Trump elected. 
No way, no how, never going to happen. Well, they didn't know. They were they were unwitting, Yes, I don't believe that for pawns. a second. I do not. The man who has his fingers in everything in that company doesn't know what's going on. I call BS on that. That's not even remotely possible. So this whole Facebook influenced people to vote. I've said this before. If you're taking your political information, your decision on who to vote for from Facebook, don't vote. You don't know what you're talking about. Get some actual proof sources. Do not use Facebook as your proof source. Well, one thing I wanted for to, anything. One thing I, I wanted to talk about real quickly, which is is it's now uh, sort of as the worm turns. So now you have AG Barr, who's in front of Congress, yep. and um, he he used a word that upset upset many of the Democrats <laughs> um, because you know he, he said the S word, spying. Yes, and immediately there was well, obviously that was Trump outrage. <laughs> Sir, sir, you know, some of these, uh, now you, you've, you've used the word spying. You're not really saying there was spying. And, and Barr was kind of like, well, yeah, yeah, I kind of am. What do you call it when you're wiretapping and using human assets to surveil members of a political campaign? And Barr said, I think that's kind of a big deal. Uh, and then they talked to Comey. And the response, this is classic. I mean, this is so Orwellian, which basically it was, well, we don't we don't do spying. Well, what do you do? Well, we call it I don't know. I forget what his his term was. It was like human intelligence surveillance <laughs> operation. So you see, by our definition, that's not spying, so we don't do spying. Excellent. Uh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. So wiretap's not spying. No, no, no. It's it's something else. It's something else. It's not spying because we don't – literally, the questioning was, do you use the term spying at the end? No, 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 no. We don't use the term spying. No. We use um, intense curiosity about various events using electronic surveillance equipment. That is not spying. No. no. I am outraged. You should be. The There are certain people I think should be a little bit worried. The clock oh. is ticking now. But uh, Mr. Barr, who, of course, the full court press is on now to demonize him. Sure. You know, he's a lackey. Oh, of course. But he was OK under George. He's George not w. exactly. He's or not. G he's G not w. backing off this. No. And so or should he? There's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to start ask, answering some questions, hopefully, oh, yeah. about how exactly did this investigation get started? And why was William Priestap, uh, the guy that we don't really hear about, but who's given a. Uh, testimony. Uh, why was he in London for three days? That's been redacted. What was he doing? And all of this stuff, right? Who was who was unmasking all of the people that Susan Power said she didn't do it? It was somebody else. It was the Easter Bunny. Whatever. There's going to be a lot of questions. Should be a lot of questions. Well, he just about what indicted was going on. Uh, one of Obama's official, Craig, right? Right. Uh, for doing the same thing Manafort did. You know, how <laughs> how is it that the government and we actually have the you know the application that's been heavily redacted? How is it that the government alleged that Carter Page was, and I think this is the actual term, an agent of a foreign power to a FISA court? Carter Page has not been charged with jaywalking. Okay, yeah. Carter Page was the basis for getting four consecutive FISA warrants. The allegation to the FISA court was we have credible, verified information. Again, quote, he's an agent of a foreign power. I'd like to see what evidence existed of that. Obviously nothing so far. Oh, Two it, and was, half years. it was the dossier, right? Oh, yeah. Let's see what Fake. was being said. So there's a lot of stuff because Barr basically said, look, it's okay for the FBI to use these sorts of techniques. Obviously, they were very concerned, but we're interested in what the predicate was 
for unleashing all of this. See, I, I look at the Steele dossier as somebody who read a Ludlum novel and said, I can do better than that, but they have no talent whatsoever at writing. And you got the Steele dossier, and it's laughable on its face in every ra- respect. Well, and what's very but, interesting reading, if you can dig it up, you know, if you're interested in this stuff, I mean, it's all over. But uh, all over meaning this is all kind of pointless now since, you know, the air is out of the collusion balloon. <laughs> but it's fascinating to read what uh, Steele, Christopher Steele said. See, he was sued for libel in England. Hmm. And so he is now actually part of a civil case where they had a chance to depose him. And they asked him all manner of questions about the dossier. And you know what Christopher Steele had to say under oath when he was actually facing potential monetary damages? Essentially, I don't vouch for a single thing in there. No, literally. (laughs) It's all raw intelligence. I'm not sure where it came from. It's unverified. He backed away from that thing as far as he could go. Again, do you think this would be of any interest to the American press that Hmm. the guy that started all this, who was the MI6 credible agent, um, has basically said it's all a bunch of nonsense that I can't vouch for and will not vouch for under oath? No, they don't care about that. Do they have the originals written in crayon? Is that possible? Yeah, and the dossier itself, I really encourage people, if you haven't read it, it's not very long. Dossier is a nice term. It's hilarious. You know, not only the whole stuff with the the prostitutes in the hotel, there's stuff in there where they're talking about how Trump as an asset is somehow using retirement accounts to funnel money back to Moscow. And there's an allegation in there that he was he was being groomed along with his staff five years before he even became a candidate. So when he was on The Apprentice. He was already he was already being he had handlers. Well, I, I watched some of those episodes. That that makes sense now. It makes. I mean, the allegations. Dennis Rodman stuck around way too long. They don't <laughs> even pass the laugh test after like the second page, and yet you have people in the CIA, Brennan, and mm-hmm. the FBI, Comey, who decided, listen. We got to figure out how to get this into the bloodstream, right? Mm-hmm. How are we going to get this out? I know. We'll brief Trump. On the dossier, which, by the way, you don't brief a president on something like that until you figure out, huh, I wonder if any of this is actually true. No, 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 no. This is a very good read. It's like a sort of a Daniel Steele, Robert Ludlum novel all packed together. They brief him on it. That's the hook to then tell the media, leak to the media, Mm -hmm. hey, guess what? Uh, we just had to brief the president on, on, the, uh, dossier, on yeah. the secret that Washington Russian, trick of Russian. Yeah. And so that's how that's how it gets rolling. And then. As Comey keeps telling Trump, you're not under investigation. You're under investigation. Does he ever actually say that to the public? Nope. No. Nope. I won't say that to the public. That would... So, again, there's a lot of people that deserve, uh, in my view, uh, to be sweating bullets right now. There's a lot of people that deserve to go to jail. Mm. I know I, uh, Trump deserves to go to jail. For, for what exactly? Being uh, a bad guy. Uh, apparently. Because they didn't actually find anything. No. But there's a whole bunch of people in our intelligence community that do deserve to go to jail. Number one, for felonious leaking of classified information. Mm-hmm. And then, in my view, completely perverting not only uh, the FBI, but the CIA in an effort to remove a fairly elected president from office. That's, that's kind of obvious. If you want to read an actually really good article, I just read it yesterday, that kind of lays this out. Um, Joe DeGeneva. 
and I'm not. He's a. I think he. Oh, he's on Fox. He's one of the Fox minions. He. He's a forty-year Fox Monday Night. I think he's a forty-year federal prosecutor investigator. Uh, but the article itself is is pretty solid in terms of what it lays out. So yes, if you want to reject him because he has appeared on Fox, that's fine. Uh, it's actually a pretty good piece documenting how kind of this stuff this stuff played out. And I I hope I hope that there's some accountability. I'm cynical. I don't think there's going to be, but would, we'll see. These are the same people who threatened the Electoral College before they voted and also didn't realize the Electoral College existed until 2016 because apparently they forgot 2000 and literally every election prior right. to that. Since 1787, apparently they didn't understand that this existed and suddenly shocked. <gasps> we got to get rid of that. That's that, that can't be what. Now, I said this before. Bernie Sanders is on Fox on Monday night. On what? He's going to do a town hall on Fox News okay. on Monday night. And his rationale was, there's lots of people out there who watch Fox News. Whatever you think about them, we can't get our message out hey, good unless for we him. reach them. Do you think there's anybody who watches Fox News who's going to look at Bernie, it, assuming they watch it for the circus effect that it will be? Do you think they're going to? He's going to change anyone's mind yeah, to watch Fox no, News? No, of course I don't think so. But you know what? I actually give him credit. Why wouldn't you do that? Sure, but I, I think he's he at least professes. He thinks somebody might change their mind based okay. on what he says. I. Don't know. I do you don't I, think that's remotely I think that's, possible? I think that's overly optimistic. But again, I give him credit for at least being willing to engage. Listen, you're going to have to get somebody else to vote for you. <laughs> that's true. So that's you true. might as well go into the lion's den. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. It'll be it'll be entertaining. And you know what? Here's the, but here's the other thing. Everyone, of course, the we all we all have to believe that Fox News is state-run media. They're oh, in the yeah, tank. Yeah, now listen, yeah, obviously, obviously, Sean Hannity, all of their we, we talked about this, all of their opinion people, absolutely. I mean, I don't even like listening to Hannity because he just yeah. becomes it's like a broken record. Yeah. Okay, um, I, in fact, I don't really, I don't watch I, Fox News. I can tell you, I can tell you, right I can tell you, I have probably watched less than an hour of Fox News in the last year. Literally, anything on Fox, I don't watch it. Uh, the only guy that I actually like because I think he's actually a pretty talented writer and he's, he's sort of gifted is Tucker Carlson. I don't yeah. actually agree with everything that Tucker Carlson yeah. says, yeah. but he's a pretty entertaining guy. But in any event, my point is, is that whoever is going to be moderating this, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, okay, you got like, you know, Shep Smith, Chris Wallace. The idea that these guys are in the tank for Donald Trump, you clearly don't watch their programs because right. I don't watch their programs, but I have seen their video clips of the. Shep Smith can't stand Trump, okay? Yeah. Chris Wallace is not some shill for the Republican Party. No. You got Brett Baer? What? I mean, I have no idea what Brett Baer's politics are. Maybe he's a raging extreme conservative who hunts with Ted Nugent. But you know what? I kind of doubt it. <laughs> it I kind of doubt it. So my point is, is that sort of the media people or the news people on Fox – this idea that they're all these bootlickers for Donald Trump, yeah. you clearly don't pay any attention to what they say. Well, you want to you want to characterize Hannity and I don't even know who else is even on there. Well, Carlson, whatever, whoever's on their opinion, Ingram. Ingram, right? They're all unabashed, unapologetic mm -hmm. conservatives. Yeah. Fine, they're not the people that are going to run this. No, no. Meanwhile, on places like MSNBC and CNN, uh, those two functions are completely blurred. Yes, you've got Rachel Maddow. Anchoring election news. Well, that seems that seems logical. She's a very kind of middle of the road Walter Cronkite type, right? Journalism doesn't mean what we think journalism. But they means. do this all the time. Sure, sure. That's all I got tonight, folks. Tony, you got anything else you want to lay on us? Um, 
I don't think so. I think we've we've done as usual more than enough. Okay. I was in a I, I was down for dinner with my wife tonight and we had get stuck in a half an hour of traffic, stop and go traffic because one lane was merging and apparently the people who can't read didn't they, well, they don't understand the zipper effect, right? No. My, as my wife said, there's no law that says they have to merge. I said, I agree. And there's no law that says I have to let them in when we get to the head of that line. So keep that in mind, folks. If you can't seem to get over, don't expect me to let you in because I won't. Yeah, I think usually when that, what I wind up doing, which really, really gets my wife very upset, is I will be yelling in my car at the people in front of me not to let the people in Why, that, I got no that drive that to the front and then try to, and I'm like, don't let them in. Don't let them in. We got no argument. We were yelling and so I literally then that. will like yep. raise my hands to the guy in front of me. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got to like, you know, go bumper to bumper. So those people cannot force their way in. That is just, it's unacceptable. I saw both sides of the road. People got out on the berm and rode up on the sides to go even further forward. That, see, now you may, and of course, and there was a state policeman there and he didn't do anything. See, like, what my wife always says, oh, well, you know, you're, you violate all these things and now you're it's like, no, 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 no. Listen, I don't, I am the most courteous driver until courtesy is no longer warranted. Meaning, which is I, the time. no, meaning <laughs> like, for instance, the people that will not get over for you when you're trying to merge. I do yeah. that all the time. Yeah. People that won't, don't understand trucks need to be able to flash your lights, let them in. Don't go in their blind spot, right? Mm-hmm. Don't pass people on the right if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Wait for them to get over. I believe in all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just that nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. And so then eventually you have to take matters into your own hands. But People that try to jam their way in go all the way to the front. Yes, they deserve to be blocked out. Yeah. If I was a state trooper, those people would all be getting tickets. Yes. The state trooper just has lights on sitting there doing paperwork. He didn't even have his head up. I'm like, what are you here for? Every person that dashed to the front of the merge line and then tried to force their way in, ticket. Yep. Yep. If if it didn't exist, I'd write them up for something else. (laughs) Just being stupid. Just being stupid. We'll go with that. And I know we're not supposed to call people stupid, but... Actions can be stupid, not be people. <laughs> operating their vehicle in a manner which is consistent with stupidity. Yes. yes. There you go. So that's all we got, folks. That I'm, is it. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.